0: Everybody seems to have a different idea of what peace means and what it means to achieve peace. Like, some people think that peace is the absence of conflict, and that's the only way that they think that peace is attainable, is that if all conflict just all of a sudden ceased, all conflict stopped, wouldn't that be great if all of a sudden conflict just stopped? And then we said, then, then that's the definition of peace. Some people think, man, when all my hardships are over, when all my difficulties come to an end, that's, that's where peace is. Peace is where hardship ends. For other people, it's just simply defined as a mere tolerance. Some people think that peace is defined by coexisting or just putting up with something. Well, let's just keep the peace let's just tolerate each other let's just kind of agree to disagree even though we're frumpy and have our arms folded and we're you know let's keep the peace that's what some people think peace means and other people think that peace is only achievable if they can be in control if they're not in control of a situation, of an individual, person, or outcome, then they think, man, I, I, I'm not at peace. They're filled with so much anxiety because they struggle to fight for this concept and this idea of control. And so they're trying to fight for that to hold on to it. We all know that peace on this earth is conditional and it's temporary. But I want you to know that Christ gives something. Different when we talk about the peace that comes from Christ, it's not like those types of peace that I described that all of us seem to be longing for, wanting, trying to push through to attain. No, it's different than that type of peace. He brings a different peace, and that peace brings light. So, let's talk about that today. Last week we talked about joy, so today let's talk about how peace brings light over in the book of John and in the 14th chapter. Jesus is now talking to his disciples about last things before he goes to the cross. And in this last things conversation that he's having with them, it kind of gets kicked off or inaugurated by Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And then he's trying to explain to them what the foot washing actually represents as he's talking about how he came in the form of a man to die on the cross. And he's trying to unpack this To his disciples, and they're just not getting it because Jesus is telling his disciples, I have to go away. And they're like, Well, when? When when are you going to be back? You know, like that's the first question that they want answered is, When are you going? And he tells them later on in the conversation in chapter 15, he actually says, You know what, guys? You've all been asking, When am I leaving? And you're more concerned about when, 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 when? He said, but not one of you has asked me where I'm going. Not one of you is concerned with where, because if you knew where I was going, you would understand why it was necessary. He said, I'm going to the Father. And he let them know, I'm going to the Father to intercede for you, to be a go-between for you. You're more concerned about when. Isn't that the way all of us are? We're more concerned with when. When's this gonna happen? Because we live in this constrict in this we're confined by time and we're constricted by time and so we think about everything in minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years and often because we live in this idea of time of everything has a beginning and everything has an end there's a lot of stress and anxiety that can come from being in the boundaries in, of time because we want to get everything done like get all your Christmas shopping done I don't know if I have enough time right I don't know if I have enough time. We all say, I could use more time, even though we all have the same amount of time. It's just about how we use it in the priorities, but that's another sermon for another day. But at the same time, we all have these same limitations. And Jesus was trying to get his disciples to not focus on their limitations. He was trying to get them to actually focus on the bigger picture, eternity, because he's trying to help them see, listen, where I'm going is not just changing Your reality of what you know here on the earth, but it's going to change your eternal position. You're going to be grafted in. You're going to be brought in to the family of God. You're going to be adopted in because I'm going to pay the price that you could never pay because you are sinful and you need to be forgiven, cleansed, redeemed, restored. And I have come to do that and fulfill that to become the way, the truth, the life. And so he's trying to unpack that for them in all these different ways and all these different ways that they would remember. All these different things. And he tells them, but when I go away, I'm not just going to leave you hanging. It's not going to be like, see you later, good luck, everybody. He said, I'm going to go away and it's going to be advantageous for you. It's actually going to be better, Jesus says, that I go away. That doesn't make sense to me if I'm a disciple of Jesus in that day. What could be better than having Jesus on the earth, hanging out with you, you know, eating with you, traveling with you, watching him perform miracles? What could be better than that? Jesus said, there's something better. He said, it's better for you that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to be there to remind you of the things I said, to empower you, to comfort you, to lead you. So that way I'm with you always. He said, in this world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have difficulty. But he tells him, he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So this is kind of where Jesus is trying to explain and unpack all this. So let's look at just a few verses here in John chapter 14 and verse 27, where Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'll come to you. And if you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you would believe. He's trying to get them to have this peace because of where he is going. This is personal from Jesus here to the people that he loves, that he cares about. These men that have been walking with him, he's speaking to them, he says, I'm going to give you something different. Because when you think about peace, when you think about seeking peace, you think in those terms of control, you think of those terms in, you know, some sort of hardship being avoided or averted. But instead, I'm going to say in the middle of hardship, I'm going to say in the middle of pain, I'm going to say in the middle of challenge, I'm going to still be able to give you peace because it's different than the kind of peace that the world gives it's something that is not contingent upon your ability to control situations, people, or outcomes. It's a different kind of peace. Jesus is seeing the countenance of their heart troubled, and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He sees that they're just worried about this whole situation, they're just consumed with when, Jesus, when, when. And he's like, it's not about when, it's about where. It's about where I'm going, because this world tries to give a version of peace. It has its offerings of peace. And man, we're thankful for a lot of those different ways that the world gives peace because they are beneficial in this life. Things like law enforcement. Law enforcement gives a degree of peace and safety. They're called peacekeeping officers. They're supposed to help keep the peace. They're supposed to help with that. We think about retirement accounts that's a good responsible thing to do to invest in your retirement and that brings a measure of a planned you know peace that you can have through going i'm being responsible with my finances and my resources and so there is a measure that comes from that but here's the thing all of that kind of stuff all those safety nets all those things can be taken away all those things are temporary And they don't offer lasting peace. They only give it in a small measure, and it's not everlasting. And it's contingent upon everything working according to plan. And how many of you know, sometimes all of our best laid plans don't work out. I'm really, really good at planning. I I am a good planner. Anybody else in the room, you're a good planner, but then it's time to actually pull the trigger on it, make something happen, right? And you're like, I have fun initially, But then like week two, week three, I want somebody else to do it. Because sometimes I have a problem with managing the plan, but coming up with the plan, I'm your guy. I will come up with the plan and I've got all kinds of ideas, but I struggle when it comes to kind of that maintenance piece. And then I have to help surround myself with people who love maintaining things and keeping things in order because I can help us get there. But man, to keep it managed, oh, that's not something that I have as a, as a strong suit. And so a lot of times, I mean, we have great ideas, we have great plans, and we think that we've got something figured out. But then something happens that derails us, right? We're coming up on the end of this year, and some of you are already thinking about what exercise program am I going to start <laughs> in 2024? What type of diet am I going to start in 2024 i'm gonna wait till then because everything from now and then is irrelevant doesn't matter this is like freebies between now and then and so you're but but january one baby you better look out because i'm coming i'm coming for you coming for you january one you fat cells. i'm gonna get you and i'm gonna be jacked in 24 you know and you come up with a little saying, like, 24, fat is no more, or something like that, right? <laughs> and that makes it spiritual, because it rhymes. But the way that all of us work, man, stuff happens. It gets in the way. Unexpected stuff. You're trying to save money for something that you're doing, and all of a sudden, some unexpected bill comes up, or the water heater breaks, or something goofy like that. That's just like, right? And then all of a sudden, you get discouraged. You get defeated, because in this world, all the things that we can try to control that bring us peace. It's only contingent upon like my ability to either be in that environment or control that environment and there's so many variables that can interrupt that and so boom, peace is gone if I'm trusting in that thing to bring me peace in a moment. All that stuff can be gone. The stock market can plummet and can just cause you to lose all of the stuff you've been making plans that you were going to do. It can it can happen all that stuff. So the peace that Jesus gives is not like this peace that the world gives. And so I, I don't want to, you know, throw shade at all of those things because those things are still responsible and helpful. But at the same time, where's my source of peace? Is my source of peace from those things or is my source of peace from Jesus? Because he said it's different. So what does that mean, Jesus? What does different mean? He says it's not like the peace the world gives. Well, first of all, It's a peace that cannot be taken away. It's a peace that is everlasting. It's eternal. It's not just the type of peace that you can experience in this lifetime, but it's an eternal thing that transcends the limits of time because it's not based on when. When, Jesus, when is this going to work out? When is this problem going to go away? When is this thing going to stop? When am I going to get out of this situation? When is this going to get better? He said, stop being concerned with when start being concerned with where. When I began to look through the lens of eternity, when I began to go, where did Jesus go? Where was Jesus trying to tell his disciples he was going? I'm going to the Father, you guys. And now what has happened? Because of faith in Christ, we've been grafted into the vine. We're now a part of something we weren't a part of before. Just as Romans 5 talks about, we've been adopted, amen? We're no longer strangers, foreigners, enemies of God. We are now recognized as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, because we are here in his presence and his life is now in us. You see, Jesus has come and he has made all things new. And we must have peace with God to experience the peace that comes from God. A lot of people just want the peace from God, but they don't understand that in order for that to happen, they have to place their faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ alone. They have to. Because if you don't, then you're looking for peace, even maybe from God, and you're asking him for peace. But the type of peace you're asking for is situational peace. It's situational because you just want to stop feeling anxiety. You want to stop feeling fear. You want to stop feeling all of this stuff that's been keeping you up at night. And causing sleepless nights. You just want to stop feeling the feelings you're feeling. And you're just saying, I want peace from you, God. I need peace from you, God. And that's great. God can definitely give you peace through the trials, through the tribulations, through the darkness, through the storm. But only if first you have peace with God. How do I have peace with God? You have to place your hope, your faith, your trust in Christ alone That what he did on the cross, by being that substitute for you and for me, by taking the sin that you and I committed, even though Jesus himself never committed sin, scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might know the righteousness of God in Christ, that we can now be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now we can be born again, we can be made alive, made new, be that new creation, This is what Jesus came to do in John 16 and verse 33, just a little bit ahead in this same conversation. Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. In the context of this verse, Jesus had been further explaining to his disciples about his need to go. And they're still wrestling with this. They're still struggling. And he tells them, listen, you're going to lament in this world. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to have difficulties. But he says, take heart. Find your courage. Let your courage, your strength, your hope, your peace be anchored in the fact that you know that I've already overcome the world. Isn't this interesting that Jesus is already speaking about overcoming and winning the victory before he ever even goes to the cross? Jesus, in his final hours, he says, Take heart, be of good cheer, be at peace, because I have overcome the world. Not, I'm going to overcome the world, not, I'm going to do it. This thing's already in motion and it can't be stopped. I've already got the victory. And he's saying, I've overcome the world. And if you back up a little bit, and if you read a little earlier, Jesus explains this whole concept of the trials and the tribulations. that that we go through and that the disciples would have to go through and the challenges that they would have to go through. And he uses the same illustration that the apostle Paul uses in Romans chapter 8 when he's also explaining how the world and creation is groaning. And he compares it to childbirth. So Jesus and Paul use the same illustration. I would encourage you to go read Romans chapter 8, which is what I think is the greatest chapter in all of scripture. I love Romans chapter 8. I think it's phenomenal. Romans 8, Paul talks about the groanings and the pangs of childbirth. Jesus talks about the groanings and the pangs of childbirth and he likens it to the tribulations of this world. Because in those pangs of childbirth, you're in the the, the moment where the baby is coming and there's a lot of pain, but there's also a lot of hope. There's a lot of anticipation and there's a lot of joy that you know is on the other end of that pain. And those of you who have experienced that, when you hold that baby in your arms, that's what you're now concerned about, the joy and the the, the relief and all of the things that you're experiencing looking at this newborn baby. But you have that baby still on the inside, and it's being born, and it's painful, and you know that it's coming, but you're not there too. So it's like, I've got the baby, but I also don't have the baby, right? I'm, I'm I'm a parent, but I'm also not a parent yet. I'm a mother, but I'm not a mother. I'm in this painful period, but I'm also hopeful, and I'm also expecting, uh, but I'm also uh, ready for this to be over, I could imagine, okay? Not that I have firsthand experience, not even trying to, which is interesting because Jesus was a dude, Paul was a dude, and they're both talking about childbirth, but it's fine, it's in the Bible, <laughs> you know? it's this concept of we're right there in that spot as believers and jesus said you're going to be right here in this spot until i return you're going to be in this spot because because there's there's this pain there's this i want this to be over but there's this hope there's this expectation and there's this joy that i can have and there's this peace in the middle of this that i can have also because i know what's coming and i know what he's doing and i know he's already won the victory And it's difficult, but Jesus said, in the middle of that tribulation, you can back up from verse 33, and you can read where he talked about that. I would encourage you to do so. He says, I've said these things to you so that you can have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. And Jesus said, man, don't be surprised by this. Don't be shocked by this, because I've already told you how this is going to end. I've already told you that I've overcome. I've already made a way where there was no way. I'm going to the Father. Be more concerned with that than when the pain is going to be over. Because you know where I'm going. Amen, somebody? You see, true peace comes from our identity being wrapped up in Christ. That's where true peace comes from. So how do you see yourself? Some people would answer, I am a good person. And man, that is a dangerous, dangerous answer. That's a dangerous answer. And another dangerous answer that is likened to I'm a good person is God knows my heart. That's a dangerous answer and a dangerous response too because God knows your heart. And I know what you mean when you say that, but it's true. God knows your heart. (laughs) So that means all the stuff that you can fool me, all the stuff you can get me to believe and buy into, all the stuff that I can convince you of. Uh, God knows he sees through all of the, the the murky marsh all of the facade he knows and so yes God does know our heart and he loves us right where we're at and he's made a way in the middle of him knowing our heart but the goal is not to be just a good person so if you're trying to be just good you're missing the gospel If that's your aim, because Jesus did not die on the cross to make bad people good. Jesus died on the cross to make dead people alive. That's why Jesus died. If all you're trying to do is just be moral, upright, and good, you're missing the gospel. Yes, morality is important. Yes, trying trying to live a good, clean, moral life, that is good. But the world's trying to do that too. Those who don't know Jesus, those who are apart from Christ... There has to be something different. It's not in my ability to be good as if I'm trying to earn something from God or if Jesus died so I could be a good person. Others see themselves as forgiven but trying. Like that's kind of like their, their, their status. You know, if, they, they, if you were to update your heavenly Facebook status, you would say, um, you know, uh, angel will make his rounds. How you doing? Yeah, forgiven but trying. <laughs> that's how most of us, I think, who are believers see ourselves And you're still missing the point because you're still looking at your role as trying to be good. And you still base God's acceptance, God's love, or your status in the eyes of God based on how good you have or have not been. And you're not resting in the finished work of the cross of Christ. You see, it's not about us still trying to be good now that Jesus has forgiven us because, friends, Jesus did not die to just come and make you a good person. Jesus died to come and make you alive in the life that you have now. This is your identity. This is your identity. We, we, this is where peace comes from. It, from. it comes from knowing who I am in Christ and whose I am in Christ. There's countless scriptures that speak to this. I'll give you a few. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 talks about if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, not part of the way, not, a, not just restored, but you got some old parts. No, a new creation. This is speaking to who you are. You are a new creation. That means the old has passed away. Paul wants to define this that the new has come. This is why for us to become new in Christ, it is required that we must die to ourselves. Sometimes we think dying to ourselves means just saying no to temptation, and that's a part of that, sure. But dying to ourselves literally is saying, who I was before Christ, that is not who I am anymore. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2 and 20 talks about this as well that I've been crucified with Christ. And look at what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, It's no longer I who lives. This is not just about avoiding temptation, this is identity, this is core. I, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And look, he even goes further. He says, the life that I now live in the flesh. So he's talking about this temporary earthly life. I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and 9 where he talks about identity by saying you are a chosen race. You are a royal race. Priesthood, You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Not just forgiven but trying, but new. No, I'm new in Christ. And when I began to identify with what Christ has done on the cross and I began to trust in the sufficiencies of Christ, it's not my good deeds, it's not my good works it's not anything I've done it solely rests upon the shoulders of what Christ did for me in my place and when I think about the weight of the cross and how he took the penalty that I deserved he even took the death that I deserved and he rose victoriously even conquering death, conquering sin those things didn't even hold him down and now he tells me I can share In his victory. The Galatians 3.29 says, if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and you are an heir according to the promise. I now am not only a son, I'm not only forgiven, I'm not only new, but I'm an heir. He says, and a joint heir with Christ. That's in the scripture. So when we talk about the world bringing trouble and fear and tribulation, I need to look to who I am in Christ. And I remember Man, it's not about when is this going to be over. It's about where he's at. Where did he go? He went to the Father. And because he went to the Father, he's made a way. He is the way, amen? He didn't just make a way. He he is the way. And so here's our big idea today, and I want you to get this. Confidence in the cross of Christ positions us to experience the peace Christ gives. Oh, let me say that slow so I can say that some more, because I don't think y'all heard me this morning. Confidence. In the cross of Christ, where is your confidence? Where is your identity? Confidence, not in your ability to be good, not in your ability to measure up, not in your good works, not in your good deeds. Scripture says our righteousness is like filthy rags. If I try to attain righteousness on my own, I'm going to fall short every time. If I want to live according to my earnings and my wage, Scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I am a new creation. My past has been erased. He has forgotten my sin as far as the east is from the west. Amen? This is the goodness of the gospel. This is the goodness of identifying with Christ. So all the good that comes out of me is now Christ in me. Yes, I still struggle. Yes, I still fall. But I'm remembering and I'm learning to have my mind renewed, to think differently. I'm aligning my thoughts with thoughts with the thoughts of Christ because he tells us, put on the mind of Christ to think in the same way that Christ thought, to think in the way that he wants us to think, to see ourselves the way that he wants us to see ourselves so that we would not be concerned and caught up with all of the junk in this world. So we wouldn't be caught up in all of these troubles and fears that the enemy wants to just bombard you with and distract you with and get you to forget who you are and whose you are. You are forgiven if you have faith and trust in Christ. If you have trusted in the sufficiency of Christ, this is the potency of the gospel. And all the good that comes out of me should now be a response to the goodness of the gospel. The more I realize the depths of the goodness of the gospel, the more I should respond by wanting to offer my body as a living sacrifice. This is worship. This is my, my, it's the least I could do, Jesus. What are you talking about, right? In Romans 12, one and two, we talk about it all the time. I'm not gonna be conformed to the pattern of this world. I'm not gonna be conformed to what everyone wants to pressure me to be because Christ has now given me my identity. I'm not forming to the identity they want me to have. I'm going to instead be conformed into the image of the Son, because he has forgiven me, redeemed me, and made me new. So this means that the stronger my confidence in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, that means the greater my experience of peace that he promised he would give, I experience. Don't you want to experience the type of peace that Jesus promised to his disciples? Don't you want that? Boy, I want that too. I want to walk in that. And you can walk in that. You can experience that. But it is contingent upon you having confidence in Christ and not your ability to control situations. It comes from having confidence in Christ and not how much money you have in your bank account. It comes from confidence in Christ, not the status of your relationships or whatever may be happening in your world at this moment. Or whatever may be happening on the news. Oh man, I could have peace if they just fix this situation in the government. The right person would get elected to the right position. Oh, then I could have peace. No, you can have peace no matter who's in office. It doesn't matter. You can have peace, amen? And if you can't have peace no matter who's in office, then you don't know my Jesus. Because Jesus is bigger than any person who may be in a position of authority or power oh i can't have peace until all this conflict in the world oh there's russia and ukraine and oh, there's israel and there's palestine oh there's all this oh man i'm just i'm so anxious about what's going to happen oh when's all this going to be over do you know jesus because the kind of peace he gives is not contingent upon whether there's a war or not Oh, did you see the inflation? Oh, man, the gas prices. Oh, man, the this. They're raising this. Oh, inflation's at this percentage and that percentage. Do you know Jesus? Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Take heart. You don't have to be consumed with this stuff. You are not obligated to be consumed with it. So for the believer, you need to recognize Christ has already overcome. This life is but a vapor. Do you understand this today? That all the things that we get worked up about, all the things that we we get consumed with, don't you understand that our purpose is to live here for the glory of God? And our heart is to be directed towards Him. Take heart focus on him. Seek first his kingdom. The stronger I, the confidence that I have in what Christ has done as being sufficient, as being enough, it anchors me through all of that stuff. Just like you've heard me say many times before, the disciples freaking out in the boat when they're on the Sea of Galilee and there's a big giant storm and Jesus is sleeping. Why? He's got a different kind of peace. Uh, That's different. If you sleep in a boat, especially the little boats because this wasn't like some big cruise ship you know this was like a little fishing boat this was not a big outfit and when there's a storm on the sea of galilee you know about it when i was in israel i got to float on the sea of galilee and they were explaining to us that if you notice all around the sea of galilee is surrounded by hills and mountains everything's kind of on a slope around you and you can see clear across the other side of it. It's more like a big giant lake, but they just called it a sea. It's not like what you would think about size-wise. It's much smaller. But they said because of the way it kind of sits down from all those mountains and all those hills that are all surrounding it, they said when the wind comes through, that thing gets really nasty. And they said those storms are pretty, pretty nasty, even for such a smaller body of water. And so for these guys who are professional fishermen to be scared uh that's that's a big deal right and they're freaking out and Jesus is like I was at the best part of the dream I don't even know what was going to happen I don't you know and then you try to go back to sleep to try to pick up to see what's going to happen it never works Jesus is like ah what did Jesus say to his disciples when they woke him up he said you have little faith that's what he said you have little faith In other words, do you not know who's in the boat? If Jesus is asleep, you can be asleep. That's cool. (laughs) He's setting the tone. He's setting the pace, right? Peace I give to you. In the middle of all this trial, in the middle of all of the storms, my identity must be in Christ and not in my ability to control things in order to walk in his peace. This is such a great text that anytime you're struggling with anxiety or fear, I want you to go back to this over in Philippians chapter 4. Verse 7, probably the most quoted when it comes to dealing with fears and anxieties. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi, he said, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let not your hearts be troubled, because the more control you seek, the less peace you have. The more control I release, the more peace in Christ that I experience. I've got to let go of all this desire to control outcomes. Win, 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 Jesus, win. Don't be concerned about when. Jesus told his disciples, you haven't even asked where. You haven't even asked about that. What do I mean, where? I'm going to the Father. I'm, I'm making intercession for you. I'm now the go-between for you. I've made a way where there is no way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Don't you know you've been forgiven? You've been redeemed. You've been restored. I know it hurts right now. It's just like when a woman is having a child. It's it's painful, but don't you know there's something great on the other end of this? Don't you know that all that pain is going to be gone, that there's going to be a day where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more stressing out? Don't you know where time is going to cease to exist? There's, all the limitations you know because of time are all going to be gone. All those limitations, all the struggles, all the physical stuff you deal with, all the financial stuff you deal with, don't you know all that's going to be over? So peace I give to you. I know it's, it, it's not fun sometimes in the middle of all this pain, but there's something better that awaits. Do you trust in that? Because if you have confidence in that, man, that's going to help give you a peace that the world can't give you it's not the type of peace that the world gives so take a breath next time that the enemy wants to come in and make you feel like a victim make you feel sorry for yourself make you angry make you feel out of control make you start playing these games in your mind where you're trying to control or, or, or make you tempted to say ugly things or run to different vices to try to somehow comfort you Next time you're tempted to run to those things, take a breath and remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Say it out loud. I I know who I am in Christ because of what Jesus has done for me. He's made me alive. He's forgiven me. He's redeemed me. He's brought me in, and it's of no doing of my own. It fully rests on His work, His goodness, His love his care for me when I think about that it helps me to breathe a little easier and have peace knowing man my feet are planted on the solid rock let not your hearts be troubled the peace I have now becomes light and this is how peace becomes light in us because it's different. It's not like the peace the world gives. It's not like, oh, that's a really chill dude. I wonder why he's so chill. That's not what I'm talking about, where you're just always like, yeah, I got peace. I used to have this friend in Wisconsin. This has nothing to do with anything. But I, I, had, I guess he's still my friend. Like, we haven't broken up or anything. We're still buddies. His name is Jovan. And Jovan has this deep, gravelly voice like this. And when he talks... This is a spot-on Jovan impression, by the way. Just so you know, Joe, if you're watching, this is how he talks. And I said, Jovan, it always seems like no matter even if Jovan gets upset, he's still okay. And when I tell Jovan a joke, he looks at me and says, Pastor Derek, that is hilarious. <laughs> and like, that, that's how Jovan talks. He doesn't like get overexcited. He doesn't get emotional. He's just, that is hilarious. And I think, man, you know, like, Jovan, he, he, he's, he's got something figured out. He's just one of those, Just he's always that way. You know, do you know somebody like that? Just kind of always, just kind of chill. That's not me. If you know me, you know Derek's not always chill. Yeah, you people that are laughing know me. Um, but <laughs> I can be all over the place. You can be all over the place. But let me tell you something. In those moments, in those times, I can have peace. And that peace may not take all of the emotions away. It may not. Can I tell you that's okay? Because God will give you the grace to walk through those emotions. If you just continually remind yourself of the gospel, and then those things will begin to wash away as Christ becomes more in focus and in view. As the gospel becomes more in focus and more in view, those things will change. So don't be leaden and and overwhelmed by your emotions. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. It's real. It's a real peace. And it comes from knowing it is well. It is well with my soul. Amen? What's around me may not be well. What's going on in my life right now may not be well. But if it is well with my soul, I can have a peace that passes my understanding. And it doesn't even make sense it's gonna guard my heart from getting pulled into other things. It's gonna guard my mind from getting it on other things. And it's gonna help me remember through it all that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is sufficient. You can know his peace today because he's the vine, we're the branch. The same life that, throw, that flows through the vine flows through the branch. And Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's not coming to burden you up and load you up. He's actually coming to set you free. And he who the Son set free is free indeed. And my friend, that gives us peace, amen? I want you to know his peace. So let's pray. Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you, or somebody watching online that does not know you, that does not know your peace, I pray that they would receive you today, that they would trust you today, that they would place their hope in you today. As Holy Spirit, you are drawing people to yourself. You're drawing them to a place where their eyes are open, where their hearts are drawn, maybe where they're convicted of of sin and they understand they need to be in right standing with God. And I pray that today you would show them their need for Jesus. And if those people are being drawn may they respond may they acknowledge their need for jesus and receive him as lord leader savior thank you jesus for doing what only you can do fill us with your spirit today to overflowing to where we can have that comfort from the holy spirit knowing it as well with my soul i pray you help those that are in the midst of a struggle right now maybe something so weighty and so difficult maybe bad prognosis maybe bad bad news challenges hurt pain physical issues mental battles emotional wars and struggles may you reach them right where they are today may you wash over them with your perfect peace in jesus name amen